Welcome to the Forbidden Forest, and this is Ro reading Chapter 9, Blood Magic. September 1st, 2007. Harry hadn't had any more outbursts of destructive magic. At first, after that fateful night in June, he had come into work smiling, energized, excited even, for the first time in what felt like years. Everyone noticed. Everyone complimented him on how good he looked all of a sudden, how happy. He was pleasant with the office secretary. He did the paperwork for Ron this time. He even winked at the barista who made his coffee in the morning. Everyone assumed he was seeing someone. This was the golden boy. This was who everyone expected Harry to be, who they loved and adored. It didn't last long, though. Eventually, he started feeling the edginess creep forward sooner and sooner in his workday, his magic starting to hum and demand he get back to the gallows and then promptly to Grimald Place. The lack of sleep was starting to catch up with him as well, and he felt himself start to nod off at his desk more and more often. He barely spent any of his nights by Ron and Hermione these days. When they had confronted him and asked where he had been going all these late evenings, Harry lied outright. He said he had been looking for apartments since they had told him they were expecting, wanting to give them room for their growing family and to get out of their hair. Hermione cried and hugged him, reassuring him that he was always welcome, and Ron had rolled his eyes and mouthed hormones over her shoulder, but thanking Harry for being so considerate all the same. Harry had promised him he'd invite them over as soon as he could to see his new place, but with Hermione so close to the end of her pregnancy and Ron running around to make sure everything was in order for paternity leave, he doubted they'd take him up on his offer. It had worried him how easily he could lie to them. It slipped off his tongue and out of his mouth in a silky, easy fashion, without hesitation. His magic had thrummed happily, and he had indulged in a full night of debauchery after he'd left, moving a few boxes of his meager possessions to Grimald Place, dropping them in the foyer and not bothering to unpack anything but his toothbrush. It didn't matter now. Harry had things he needed to see to first. He leaned forward across the bar, not even bothering to order a drink, looking imploringly at the barman. What you gave me wasn't enough for this week, he hissed. He had a hard time controlling the sudden surge of anger within him. He had spat the words, even though he hadn't needed to. He was the only one there this early in the afternoon. The barman raised his eyebrow. I gave you enough to kill someone. How you're still standing is a bit of a mystery at the moment. How do you have any places left to hit? Harry furrowed his brow. How do you mean? I've been snorting this stuff. A look of understanding crossed the barman's face, and he motioned for Harry to follow him back to the toilets. Harry had never seen him leave behind the bar before, and he followed him eagerly, his magic crawling around, hungry. In the next 30 minutes, Harry learned how to mainline. The barman took him through the steps, showing him how to mix, cook, and load a dose, and then how to hit a vein, even so far as to show him which veins he could use. He helped him assemble his kit. He seemed happy to take Harry's muggle money in exchange for this strange service he provided, an introduction to the world of heroin. He let Harry practice around on him, 
a simple smile crossing his face as Harry pushed what they had prepared. He untied the bit of rubber tubing they'd used as a tourniquet and watched as the barman slumped back against the wall, his eyes falling half-closed. Harry's mouth was wet with envy. Flip the sign to close when you leave, kid. I've got business to attend to. The barman slurred out the last few words and let his eyes close fully, sinking down to the floor of the bathroom, groaning in absolute pleasure. Harry left, flipping the sign as instructed, and apparated away to his own den of iniquity. He hadn't been expecting it to be so good, like it was the first time, but it was, maybe better. He had hit the vein in his hand, as it had seemed easiest, just beneath the lower points of the M in the I must not tell lies that lay permanent ghost, white lines on his brown skin. He could feel the rush along his arm and into his heart, and it fluttered a greeting in response. It was like a swarm of bees, a gentle building buzzing that tickled and caressed him. He had become the hive, he thought to himself, his eyes fluttering closed as he lay back on the bed, feeling the golden pool of honey collect deep within him. His magic was completely still. Harry awoke slowly to the persistent, angry cracking of a beak against glass and screeching, so much screeching. He rubbed his eyes and set his glasses straight, wiping the drool from the side of his face. It must be past midnight, he thought blearily as he stumbled over his kit on the floor, kicking his used supplies beneath the bed in a small moment of shame. He got to the window and worked the swollen wood and rusted frame open, letting in a bedraggled-looking owl. It fell to the floor, hooted, and was joined by four more insistent and annoyed-looking birds. Fuck, Harry thought quickly. Fuck, someone must have been trying to get a hold of him for ages. Five fucking owls. Fuck, what could have happened? He grabbed the nearest owl and unfurled the note attached to his leg. Harry, Herm's off to the hospital. I think this is it. Come to St. Mungo's maternity ward when you can. I think I'm about to shit my pants, so you won't want to miss it. Ron. Adrenaline pulsed through Harry as he grabbed the second owl's leg. Harry, where are you? Hermione is screaming at all the healers who try and touch her. She keeps telling me to keep to the birth plan. I was unaware of the birth plan. If you are at the ministry, can you check and see if it's on my desk? I'm out of my depth, mate, and they said to expect a few more hours of this. I need reinforcements. I have to go back in there. She started cursing everyone who's ever touched her vagina. I am high on the list. Parvati Patil is on the list? I cannot handle the revelations I'm having. Ron. Harry groaned. He'd really fucked up. He had promised he'd be there with them if they needed him. His best friends were becoming parents, and he was in this hellhole getting himself obliviated. The third owl had ripped the parchment off his foot already and gone, so Harry picked it up off the floor, his stomach churning. Harry, I want to be mad at you for missing this, but I just held my daughter for the first time, so nothing is going to keep me from being the happiest person on earth. Her name is Rose, and she's beautiful. Hermione needed some stitching up, so I expect we'll be here for a few more hours. She's all blissed out on baby bonding hormones at the moment, but she has been asking for you, and I expect she'll want your head on a platter if you're not here ASAP. I know you've got a good excuse for missing this. Also, we have a finite number of birthdays with Rose at home before she's off to Hogwarts spending it on the damn train. Hermione is already making a schedule, so you best bring it with the gifts. And you're doing a lot of babysitting. Ron. Harry's heart pulled with the guilt. He had missed his goddaughter being born. Rose. What a beautiful name. They must be so happy.
The last owl left was staring daggers at Harry. Ah, he thought, this must be Hermione's letter. He took a moment to appreciate that it wasn't a howler and unrolled the bit of parchment. Harry James Potter, you had better be dead because there is absolutely no other acceptable excuse for you not showing up to help me bring my beautiful daughter, your goddaughter, into the world. Ron was useless. Pathetic, really. He nearly fainted, and the healer spent half the time making sure he wasn't dehydrated. Can you believe he forgot the birth plan? Luckily, I had spares. Still, I could have used your help. It's no small thing to create and deliver a small human. Come see us, please. Love, Hermione. Harry sighed with relief and grabbed his jacket from where he'd dropped it on the floor. He rubbed the back of his hand absentmindedly as he ran down the stairs and out the door to apparate to St. Mungo's. He didn't notice the bruise that had formed. Harry shoved past patients, family members, and healers in lime green robes as he sprinted through the hospital foyer. The blonde hair and sharp features caught his eye right as he knocked straight into the last person to cross his path before the lifts. Watch it, Malfoy, Harry growled, dashing off to the stairs instead, not keen on another awkward elevator ride. He didn't have time to worry that Malfoy would pick up on anything amiss. He had apologies and introductions to go make. talking about my chapter yeah okay so what did you think it's very short it's very short he spends most of the time unconscious that's why he's uh really falling down that hole and then hermione makes me irrationally emotional (laughs) why is that i don't know it's become like a bit of a thing every time every time ro writes anything involved with hermione i just like cry through the entire thing she and she's not that involved until way later yeah, there's yeah. just little glimpses of yeah. them in the background it doesn't even matter i just get so emotional okay yeah and those letters from ron from the hospital are very funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah i sort of imagine him being like shit scared but also super excited mm-hmm. and like such a trooper and still making everyone laugh mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of where I think of him in a crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Not that it's a crisis to have kids, but, you know, stressful. (laughs) What does that say about us, that we think it's a crisis? (laughs) I said it wasn't a crisis. (laughs) You know what? Let's not talk about that. We're supposed to be talking about my chapter. Oh, yeah. And, like, the breakdown of Harry's ability to... Mm be responsible yeah. and, you know, show up for the people he cares about. Mm. Um, I kind of wanted to write something about how that, that sort of snowballs yeah. into, and it, it's hard to notice at first mm. or, you know, might seem like just bad luck or, yeah. but yeah, he definitely is not available to the people who might mm. need him. And this like habit that he's formed now is taking up more and more of his day-to-day life. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, like a significant part of his day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think he realizes it's a problem yet? No, I think he's very functional. Mm-hmm. I wanted to also write in the beginning how people say, once you find some coping that's working for you, even mm-hmm. if it is drugs, mm-hmm. at the very beginning, if you're not fucked up all the time, mm-hmm. people think you look better. Yeah. They think you're doing great. Mm-hmm. 
or you know, like suddenly you're happy. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Mm. You must be doing something fantastic yeah. then if you're so happy. Found love. Carrie's like finger guns. Yeah. I am. I am coping the <laughs> yeah. best I can. I figured out some great new stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that it dampens his magic and that's like the thing that was making him feel unsafe at work mm. and all these other places and now he's able to re-engage again. Yeah. Just like a dampened version of him. Mm. Sort of turn the volume down on Harry. Yeah. Interesting. Any I other think thoughts? The, I think the, the functional thing is what gets me. Like, it's clearly become something hugely problematic and now he's taken it to like the next level, mm. learning how to use it in a different way. And like, even having missed Hermione's birth and such like a huge monumentous thing in their little like family... Yeah, and something you know that Harry, had he been feeling good, would have loved to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, he would he, have been like on the front lines with Ron. Yeah. yeah, no, he would have been there for the whole thing. Yeah, and yeah, I I kind of wanted to to like hold up a mirror of that, like, you know, you know, this isn't really Harry. Mm. Really, Harry cares about other things. Yeah, cares about Hermione and yeah. Ron. And he's definitely like can't falling. even engage with the fact that his friends are going through huge life changes. Yeah. Mm. And we talk about it more later. Yeah, I mean, all of this stuff, I feel like it's like the inception to like much bigger things that we end up getting into later on. Even in Hermione's backstory. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is just the beginning of Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) You will cry a lot later. Yeah, yeah, there's so much more crying. (laughs) Even some of those chapters that I've read like a dozen times, like every time I have to reread them, I'm just like, Sobbing. <laughs> so embarrassing. I think it's because she just loves him so much. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I just love Hermione. So there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? No, very short chapters coming up. We're going to breeze through all of these. Yeah, I think it's going to go very quick. So we, yeah, the, the Half Life Occurs Life, the first half or the first third mm. of these chapters mm. is. The gigantic downward spiral. Mm. And then we return to the bottom of the downward spiral mm. when Harry chooses to die yeah. in chapter 15 and 16. And then from there, mm. we start the very long, arduous climb mm. back towards a livable life mm. or life in general. Yeah. So don't worry, it won't be this horrible forever. We are hurtling towards, mm. you know, the... Rock bottom. <laughs> the, the figurative <laughs> rock bottom, yes. Mm. <laughs> the bottom of the canyon. Yeah. And then we'll climb back out of it. Sure. Sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you at the beginning of Misunderstood Creatures oh, there, Draco. Yeah, that's when I start climbing out of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.